Good morning. This is July the 10th, and I want to start on the final portion of the entry phase. As we've talked before, I've said we're going through four phases of working in a predominantly white working workforce. Uh, and I want to share some of the things that were successful for me in working uh, for over 40 years and getting uh, a good retirement and able to make it through a system that was uh, a lot of turbulence, but uh, I was able to hold on to my job. And I was trying to pass some things that uh, were helpful to me on to others. Uh, if you have some questions on some of the things that I'm discussing, uh, you can reach me at DanielsJ93 uh, at Gmail. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-S-J-9-3 uh, at gmail.com. And I've been speaking for the last several weeks uh, in reference to a desk reference that I used for many years, uh, which was uh, making it in the corporate world with uh, Floyd Dickens Jr. and Jacqueline B. Uh, Dickinson. Correction, that's Dickens, uh, D-I-C-K-E-N-S. And I will be referring to this throughout the four phases, uh, entry, uh, phase which we're talking about which is the uh, another name could be most of my peers over the years they were washed out uh, during the entry phase because they didn't realize what they were getting into and I'm in the final portion of the entry phase and I will also talk to you about the adjustment phase and plan growth phase and successful uh, phase. The last time we talked, I was uh, beginning to talk about a issue that one had to be concerned about and learn some of these terms and be able to recognize them. One of them I was talking about is neo-racism. We have to understand that uh, we always uh, commonly hear about racism where someone is blatant coming out and letting one know that they dislike one's uh, race, religion, or sex, just blatantly saying that verbally or by uh, statements on paper, or you can hear it throughout the workforce, but I'm talking about neo-racism, which is a solid, uh, and if you're not careful, you won't be able to uh, see that it's happening to you. But one of the uh, purposes of neo-racism is to be, frankly, is to uh, belittle you among your peers, uh, when your boss is around, and one of the ways to identify the characteristics is because of what you say or what you do uh, continuously 
there is uh, someone belittling, uh, finding fault, uh, trying to poke holes in what you're doing, uh, what you're saying. And you have to be careful to make sure that you understand when you are undergoing this and what you need to do to uh, stop it. Uh, if you're going to survive, if you're going to be uh, promoted, because uh, uh, neo-racism will, uh, it will destroy your self-confidence and your self-esteem and your self-worth. And that's the purpose of it, is to get you to the point that you will give up, or you will back away, and you will not participate and become a part of uh, the team. And I'm going to give you an example of uh, one of the last uh, experiences that I had uh, with racism. Now, then I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes of how you deal with it. I was on a conference call, and which I was the only black on the conference call and from people all over the country uh, were asking questions and about the topic that was being discussed and to get a better understanding uh, to the head of the conference. Uh, had no problems with uh, all of the questions that was being asked and questions had been answered for 35, 40 minutes. However, um, as soon as I began to ask questions, uh, I was undermined by the head of the conference uh, and I tried to give the impression that uh, uh, my questions were not uh, good questions and that had been repeated before. Uh, and I had to put... Uh, uh, neo-racism back in its place and I, I always had a saying that when I was in the workforce to put uh, neo-racism back in uh, Jack in the Box uh, and I here's how I did it I quickly said uh, why did you answer the other questions uh, with no problem are you saying that I'm not allowed to ask questions and I uh, continuous and if those are the rules, uh, please note that and place it in a minute. And the uh, phone got quiet. Uh, the head of the conference did not uh, say anything because I pushed back in a way that uh, it was his turn to respond to that. And he knew and the team knew the wrong answer uh, was grounds for an EEO complaint. Uh, I could uh, I file a complaint that I was being treated different than anyone else that was on the conference call. Uh, he was trying to create a hostile work environment, which those things are against the law. But he was smart. He uh, gracefully uh, back down and said, no, that's not what I meant. And uh, after the conference call was over, he uh, uh, called and apologized. Uh, my boss found out about it because others on the call uh, told my boss what had happened and now that I was in the right and I really appreciated that. 
the the point is that uh, you we must remember as African Americans, you must know what the law is. Uh, I promise you that uh, your white peers will know what the the law is, and us instead of sometimes uh, playing around with uh, uh, things uh, such as tic-tac-toe, we should make sure that we're reading and understanding the uh, law uh, as far as it is uh, reference to us being in the workplace. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about EEO complaints. Uh, in over 50 years of work, I never filed an EEO complaint, uh, but I filed uh, hundreds of subliminal EEO complaints. And let me explain to you about what I mean when I say subliminal uh, EEO complaints. Uh, I let the uh, true racists that I ran into uh, on my career know in an indirect way uh, that I knew the law and if it became necessary, I would use it. Uh, one of the things you, we have to understand that when we file EEO complaints, two sides of filing EEO complaints, uh, I found throughout my career that once you file the EEO complaint, uh, you will put on a uh, a, a blacklist, and uh, which really, a lot of times people that did that are, uh, if they were not careful in how the way they did that, uh, they turned the administration uh, negative towards them. So one needs to be, yeah, when you talk about EEO complaints, it should not be the first thing you do. It should be when there is no other means of doing that. And I must also say that I have seen uh, many successful EEO complaints go through, but I've seen people's career for whatever reason uh, over the 50 years of my work experience, uh, careers come to uh, a standstill. The other side of EEO complaints I want to remind you of, the EEO complaint is a mechanism that indirectly will draw your boss's boss on the line because the bottom line is the treatment of all employees, especially in federal agencies, is the responsibility of the top person who uh, is in charge. I'll give you an example. Uh, I was asked once by uh, my boss's boss, uh, did he want me to call a meeting with my supervisor uh, because I was in the entry phase and uh, he was picking up that, that something was wrong. And well, I want to be completely honest with you, I had let him know that uh, there was something wrong and I was not going to tolerate it. And I said to him, no, I, I want to handle this myself, but I want you to know uh, that I expect for you to keep a level playing field 
And if you keep a level playing field, uh, I will be able to push back in a professional manner and, and take care of this issue. And I knew in saying this that uh, my boss had uh, talked to my supervisor uh, in reference to what my concerns were. And uh, that would stop the unnecessary harassment, uh, neo-racism, because uh, my boss would have to answer uh, to his boss, and his boss would have to answer to his boss, was it brought to his attention, and I had put that in writing to my boss's boss, that I was having difficulties, and I was on probation in the entry phase, and I was trying to adjust, and I thought that I was being treated unfairly. It was not an EEO complaint. It was a status that uh, I understood that I I have the right to ask from, from my supervisors uh, to be treated fairly. And uh, my boss's boss knew that, and it worked out fine. That's just something I want to throw on the uh, sideline to make sure that you understand that when you run into some trouble of working in a predominantly workforce, there is a way to uh, maneuver and get uh, things completed without uh, creating a great deal of a ripple effect within the organization and within the team that you're working with. Uh, you know, during the time that you're in the uh, uh, entry level, you know, you need to uh, uh, stop and think and ask yourself, uh, where are you going? Exactly, you know, uh, uh, where you, how you want to deal with your issues, how you want to deal with your problems. Uh, there is going to be uh, problems. I experienced problems, and me and my friends uh, uh, experienced problems working in a predominantly workforce. Because, as I said to you in past parts, is that uh, unless you have a manager who uh, truly understands that he is managing two different cultures in the workplace, uh, he will not be able to pick up on that uh, there's a diversity issue uh, within the collaboration of work and things within the workforce. And I used to use uh, uh, a self-talk to myself and I would tell myself, you know, uh, uh, that I was uh, a pilot, for example, taking off from Milwaukee. And if you are flying to Chicago and uh, flying from Milwaukee to Chicago to Atlanta, wherever, and, and I, if I ran into turbulence and I was blown off course, uh, I could, uh, I had two options. I could turn the plane around and come back and land in Milwaukee and take off again, hoping there will not be any turbulence or that would blow me off course uh, the second time. Uh, third time, I could return back to Milwaukee if I ran into turbulence the second time, hoping that I would not be blown off uh, course with the 
neo-racism and racism that uh, that I've run into. But I've learned over the years that there's a second way uh, to deal with if you are a pilot flying from Milwaukee and uh, you see that you run into turbulence, you have a problem, you don't have to uh, return back to the original airport. You can uh, ready your head and ask some of the old pilots uh, how did they uh, make it through that turbulence and uh, basically what you do, you tighten your uh, seat belt and you say this too will pass. Uh, don't panic. Get directions and find out uh, how to make your flight uh, with no problems. And the point that I'm trying to say uh, when you're working in a predominantly white workforce, uh, there's going to be some neo-racism turbulence and then some uh, straight-out uh, racist turbulence that's going to attempt to blow uh, you off your career objectives. There's no guarantee that uh, you will not experience neo-racism or racism. Your objective is to keep your career on course. Uh, I made up my mind that uh, I was going to stay on course regardless. And I was successful in doing that. And I hope in saying to you uh, some of the things that you are going to have to do is to confront uh, insensitive uh, people directly. Uh, you have to, a uh, famous saying that I have, you have to teach people uh, how to treat you and how to talk to you. And if you don't teach them how to uh, talk to you and treat you uh, and you do it in a professional way, they will believe and convince themselves the uh, stress that they are creating for you is acceptable. And I was always good in sharing uh, my feelings about something that if it was bothering me. I, now, my personality was a little bit unique, and that is uh, if something was bothering me and I thought that I was treated incorrectly, I could not allow it to fester there because uh, I had only two gears, and that was to flight a fight. And I know that uh, fighting would get me kicked out of the job, and flight would cause me to lose chances for promotions and uh, bonuses and things of that nature. So I had to learn quickly during my career to uh, get to the root of the problem, try to uh, deal with it. I had to be able to recognize uh, diversion techniques that were being used to uh, try to keep me out of the uh, networking team, uh, being able to collaborate my ideas and thoughts 
on projects. And, and when I thought that was uh, happening to me, uh, someone for some uh, uh, reason trying to push me out of the team, uh, I, I, I made the confrontation. And when I say confrontation, I'm not talking about uh, let's go outside and, 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 and fight or anything, but I always, uh, and I want you to remember, I always uh, confronted the issue and not the person. By confronting the issue, I was sending a message to the team, to my boss, that I wouldn't have no problem uh, uh, with the person per se, is that I was dealing with the issue. And that worked very uh, uh, good for me. I, I wanted to, you have to avoid uh, feeding into our, over my career, uh, some white managers who are negative stereotypes about blacks. And when I would hear things that uh, they were saying that I thought was negative, I would use that as opportunity to say that has not been my experience. Uh, this is, uh, from my perspective as a black employee, how I react to the issue at, at Bay at the time uh, we're having a discussion. Uh, uh, again, I, I want to say the confrontation uh, when uh, nothing works, uh, the remember that the to deal with the issue and not the person. Uh, and there's going to be some times in your career that uh, there are some per people that you will be working with. Uh, you are going to uh, have a problem with And I'll give you an example. What I mean is that uh, I, there was times in my career that I had to avoid uh, uh, a persons that was very negative uh, to me whenever they uh, had the chance. And what I mean by when I say avoid, in the workplace I was paid to be a part of a team, to be a part of a net network, and I constantly pushed to work with those who uh, liked to work with me, but also to work with those who did not uh, uh, want to work with me or had said to me that I should not have been there. And I gave you the example that I had one secretary said to me the only reason that I had received the job was because I was black and I had uh, said no, it was because of my experience, it was because of my education uh, that I received the job and I won't let you force me into that. But Getting back to the point of avoiding negative people, when I talk about avoiding negative people, I'm not talking about avoiding uh, them in the workplace. I'm talking about uh, I had a job where a lot of times uh, people would like to meet at the bar and uh, private parties. And after one or two drinks, the negativity that was in the office would triple. Well, see, I, I avoided that. I said, I'm not going to 
allow myself to be put in a position because you've had a couple of drinks, you can say whatever you want to say to me. I just avoided that. And it worked very uh, uh, good for me. Uh, I, I want to also say that uh, in working in a predominantly uh, white uh, workforce, it is important to uh, learn how to uh, strike up a conversation uh, and just don't be uh, 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 a flower on a wall, but you have to be uh, able to find a way to communicate and and talk to uh, people within a group. And you pick up a lot of things from uh, their facial expressions or whatever, but it is it's important to make sure that you can find a way to uh, improve your working uh, relationships with your team because if you don't find a way to improve your working relationship with your team, uh, you're going to have a major problem. Now, I'm going to uh, spend just a few minutes in talking about the art of listening. Uh, it's, 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 it's a forgotten skill in a lot of workplaces, but you have to master uh, the art of listening, uh, what's going on around you. And there's uh, uh, different types of listening and I would like to refer you to, uh, if you want to read more about it, is uh, Listening for the Forgotten Skill. And there's an excellent uh, self-teaching guide out there um, by Ellen, Melinda Berkeley Allen, uh, that really goes through the art of listening and helped me a great deal uh, to be able to recognize in myself and recognize in others uh, when I'm in meetings or when I'm working with people uh, what type of a listening style that they have. And there's always just a few I want to talk about uh, styles of listening. is the faker. You can be able to pick up when people are, are faking that they are listening, but they're just going through... Uh, the motion and you can see it from their mannerism in the meeting, their facial expressions, be able to pick it up. Uh, uh, then there's the dependent listener uh, where uh, some listeners are highly dependent and uh, they want uh, our interaction, opinions, uh, uh, they uh, their wishes and their feelings going to come out during their conversation. Uh, then you have the listener that, uh, which I think is very disruptive to the team, and most time this is a style that uh, neo-racism is used as the interrupter. Whatever is being said, they're constantly interrupting and trying to uh, bring forward their on personal ideas on uh, any uh, issue that's being discussed. Uh, 
And they, they are self-conscious listeners. They're constantly, uh, these individuals have a, the attention is on themselves and, uh, and no one else. And one must be aware of what's taking place in the dynamics taking place in the, in the meeting. And then there's intellectual, uh, logical listener. Uh, and that's something you have to train yourself to be is to listen with your head, head and uh, and make sure that you don't make the mistake of where some uh, in this category are the only uh, want to hear and blotting out the large area of reality. It's very important to be able to uh, train yourself to understand and put yourself in the position of the person who is speaking uh, to understand where they're coming from. Because the objective is to, number one, get the reputation of being a good worker, a person who is good in working as a team member, and you've got to be able to listen uh, to understand the things and the objectives that's coming from your peers that you're working with. And over my years, I have seen people that run into a tremendous amount of trouble because they are so narrow-minded, they can only hear themselves. Uh, and you have to uh, train yourself to sometimes just listen uh, to what is being said, and sometimes turn around and to reinforce uh, that you are listening to the person that's speaking. Uh, I always use a phase of saying, I understand you correctly by repeating what they are saying. And that's important to make sure that, uh, especially when you're talking within the group that you're working, that you're letting all of them know that you are listening to what uh, they are saying. That's, uh, that's very important. That's, I'm at the end of my uh, 30 minutes, and I'm going to be talking more about some things that can help you on the job of uh, always greeting your, your co-workers uh, and your boss and you know with a positive attitude uh, when time of, of forge or situational forge may I say to be able to say thank you and uh, try to, and be sure to stay away from pity parties and things like that. You there to earn a living to provide the uh, things that you want for yourself in life and your family and your friends, and it's a job. And you should always work to make sure that uh, you have done everything that you possibly can during the entry level of your employment to make that foundation adjustment. And next week we're going to be talking about the adjustment phase and things to look out in the adjustment phase. Again, if there is any questions or concerns that you may have about this part, you can always 
or send me an email and I will answer it on the next part. And again, as I said in the beginning of the program, that's Daniels, D-A-N-I-E-L-S, J-9-3, uh, at gmail dot uh, com. See you next week. Thank you.